The machine is ever turning, ever hungry. How do you avoid being eaten? How do you avoid drifting into becoming another cog? Can you escape the machine? Should you try or is it impossible? Pondering these questions and more, I mention the machine. Welcome to the Mention the Machine. This is uh, episode 11. This is going to be an interesting one. Since we're now at double digits, we thought we'd pull a trick from TV and do a little recap episode of what we've talked about so far. Uh, we did it a zero episode, so this is actually episode oh, episode 12? Yes. Episode 12, but actually it's episode 11 because the zero episode doesn't count, apparently. It does count. We just count input B0. Uh-huh. So... First episode, we talked about what we were trying to accomplish here, and I think we're we're still off to a good start. Um, and I finally understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this podcast like eight times, and I finally got it months later. <laughs> well, we're making progress. Yeah. <laughs> episode one, we talked about Napoleon Hill. Episode two, we also talked about Napoleon Hill and his 13 principles. And Joel, did I tell you that uh, apparently there's a big thing where Napoleon Hill was some sort of con man? No. Yeah, apparently he never met any of the uh, the people he said he wrote. He didn't know Edison. He didn't know uh, Andrew Carne- Carnegie or Carnegie, however you pronounce it. But he had that, that whole thing in his mind. Yeah, well, I guess if you're a psychopath and you see actually <laughs> technically met them. Well, that one the devil is very important because I, need, I think I need to go re-listen to that one because I've been drifting a little bit lately. Yeah, I've been feeling the uh, the negative hypnotic rhythm just because of some issues issues with car trouble in my life have put me in a negative mind space, and mm-hmm. I don't I don't like it, and I know that it's affecting other things around me. But. I was just talking to a friend earlier today. She has to go to a uh, speakeasy for a, a dinner, and she miscalculated her finances. I'm like, oh, I can lend you twenty five bucks. She goes, Yeah, but I owe you. I'm like, No, you don't. I said, I'm trying to put some money into the karma so that I can actually have something good happen. It seems like whenever I spend money on other people, good things happen to me. So this is selfish. Which is, it's funny though, because that, that whole karma thing, come, it's, it sounds bad when you say it the way you just did. <laughs> I, I'm trying to buy some karma for myself. But they say if you, if you want good things to happen to yourself, like be a giver. Like, you mm-hmm. Well, like my niece's birthday was a couple weeks ago. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna give her some money because, like, I t- I talk to her from time to time. I check on her. My mom has me like do deposits for her because she says she doesn't have to do it. I'm like, I'm gonna give her fifty bucks for her birthday. So the next day, I had to go to my parents and I was helping them do something. And my dad gave me twenty. My mom gave me twenty. I'm like, okay, so technically, I gave my niece ten dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how things work out like that. Yeah, yeah. They say you know that. Uh... Like the the best networkers and stuff are the ones that help people all the time, and mm-hmm. that, that's why they're good at being networkers, and they're good at they get what they want in life because they help people all yeah. the time. So well, I didn't kind I, of buying karma. Yeah, well, I've always bought karma, not realizing I was doing it. Because like I don't know why, but I love collecting favors. Like Joe mentioned on on Stream of Conscious a while ago that I got this crazy like favor system going on. <clears throat> well, like back in more more day weekend, my friend needed his car fixed. So my other buddy did the work, and um, my buddy's like, I want to give him some money, but I don't, I, I, I can't get there. And I needed a toaster oven. So he's like, I'll buy you the toaster oven. You pay pay him whatever I buy the toaster oven for. I'm like, okay, works for me. <coughs> Joel's now, new name is now The Broker. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the Cyberpunk Red game, there's a class called The Fixer, and that's what they do. Like, you put things together. I'm like, I guess technically I've always been a fixer. Hmm. In more ways than one, because you like to fix things, too. Yes, I do. 
even my own problems. Mm. <laughs> well, we're still working on those. That's kind of why we're here, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, episode three, we did Naval Ravikant. Another motivational person. He's got a book out, apparently. Yeah. Hmm. We'll have to do his book. Yeah. Well, how big is his book? Maybe we'll do it next time. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we, we have two books lined up already that we got to get through. Yeah, yeah. This is avoiding the inevitable fl- coin flip of which book we were going to do next. Oh, uh, yeah. That's right. Because uh, if I read that Holocaust book for no reason, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that one next. That one's fine. That's a good book, though. I know it's a good book, but like the first half is just such a slog. Man, you should try reading the uh, the, the Gulag Archipelago. Like That is a goddamn mind-numbing book of human misery. I'm just glad I have an emotional firewall to protect me from most of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's getting through. It's just... It's just down there where you can't see it. I remember back in the 90s when we were talking about that V-chip they are trying to put in televisions to block t- TV for kids to not watch adult content. Oh, yeah. I used to make the joke that I have a V-chip in my brain. Like, some some things I just won't process. Like, you'll tell me something disgusting, but my brain's like, nope, not going through that part, that poor <laughs> <laughs> uh, See, for me, my, my, my approach to growing up was the opposite. It was uh, put everything in there so it's all scarred. <laughs> remember, uh, you remember Faces of the Dead? Faces of Death. Faces of Death, yeah. We used to watch all those, and people were like, why are you watching this? Like, so it's not immune. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. The children of today could not survive on the internet of the 90s. Oh, no. They, there was no non-safe-for-work tag back then. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what did we take away from Navel? Well, there's a few a few set skills you need, and you can do pretty much anything. Yeah, the idea of you're not going to get rich renting out your time is probably mm-hmm. the, the big one that always resonates with me. Learn to read, learn to write, learn how to, how to code. There you're on your way. And that we actually have an army of, of, of our army of robots and bots that we can use if we knew how to, how to what's the word? If we knew how to summon them. <coughs> Which we don't. Some of us do. But. Like, in the, I could spin up a thousand computers right now to figure out a problem right now if I, if I wanted to. Hmm. So why don't you? Because i got to figure out how to actually have a parallel process. Oh, so you don't know how to spin up the army. No, I can spin up the army. I just don't have anything for them to do. Seems like we're going in a circle. (laughs) (laughs) Spin them up and then ask them what you should do now that you got them all. (laughs) They don't work that way. you got to give them specific instructions. (laughs) That's why it's not really AI. (laughs) I didn't say AI. I know, but that's what they always talk about about AI when people are like, oh, AI coming it's so bad and it's like well it's not really ai what they're doing because it only operates in very limited parameters Mm -hmm. it'll get the bad get bad eventually though in episode four we're talking about financial tactics financial tactics that we were talking about uh ramit sethi's book i will teach you to be rich and uh what else we talk about we talk about riches man in babylon yep and rich dad poor dad i think rich dad poor dad yeah definitely that Good takeaways in there was, you know, things like automating your finances and setting up systems for mm-hmm. things you don't want to do. Which I've done, and it's amazing. <laughs> My bank account just doesn't move. Nice. But everything gets paid, and I'm not worried about when something's due, and I'm not overdrafting. Yeah, nice. Yeah, every once in a while i got to go back in and uh, tweak that system, because, like, right now my system's completely on meltdown, so I need to revisit that episode. You need to pull the time. rods out and change that water. Yeah, <laughs> don't drink the water. <laughs> episode 5, we started with Stoic, started back into Stoicism. Yep. I don't think we actually started Stoicism before. I think Stoicism has kind of been... Uh, some touch somewhere touched upon on every episode we've done. Yeah. 
But you know, stoicism, yeah, we talked about ego as the enemy. Um, the only thing you can change like, is your own mind. Yeah. And don't listen to Joel because he uses stoicism for evil. I do not. I use it to get through life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to someone the other day and they are like, that's horrible. I'm like, that's only if you let it be that way. I choose not to, let, to look at it that way. Yeah. I mean, it's all perspective, right? But mm-hmm. Again, like we said about the, the negative... Uh, hypnotic negative rhythm that i'm that i'm in because of car troubles and things like that like that's uh well let's spin this around maybe it's a teacher who has some money in your bank account in case shit happens well i did and that's the, that's the, that's the thing because i've set up the financial systems in the past like i'm just mad that things like my emergency savings got drained but if i didn't have that emergency savings i'd be screwed mm-hmm. well that's it's, the same thing with me like really plain that's, that's a helicopter joel it's flying. That's a fair plane. <laughs> I'm pissed off right now. I'm not thinking logically. <laughs> Joel's all hopped up on the caffeine. I'm not being very stoic right Joel's, now. Joel's hopped up on coenzyme Q10. <laughs> but like, the other day, like, I was one for a bike ride. I'm like, this is great. I can actually go out and ride in the weather. And then I heard this grinding sound coming from my brakes. I'm like, well, I guess I gotta change those. Change the brakes. Broke a, broke a couple parts. Had to go buy new parts. And I'm thinking, wow. At least... I only paid for the parts. I didn't pay for labor. Yeah. You're doing it wrong. You're not supposed to ride the bike, the bike while using the brakes, Joe. No, no, no. The brakes are on the car. The oh. brakes on the bike are fine. Oh, 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 oh. I thought they were talking about the bike. No, the bike was perfect. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, stoicism has been a very good a good thing. I've been I have actually gifted two copies of that of the Daily Stoic to people. That's a good one. Did you see that? Um, I sent you the image of it. It's that Memento Mori calendar. No. Yeah, it basically lists off like how many weeks you have till you're 80, which is basically like when you're gonna die. And each week they want you to mark off one, so you have like a visual reminder of like the fact that you're running out of fucking time. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a little, a little hard, but I, you know, I guess that's part of it. Though you're supposed to remember that you're you're gonna die. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't all keep skulls on our desks, but. Well, then you got the people who drank children's blood to like get young or some shit. The pituitary thing, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, 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 the what's his name? Didn't kill himself guy. Mm-hmm. Epstein. Epstein, that's his name. Yeah, I couldn't remember it. I could remember his, his wife or girlfriend who's in jail. One day we're going to do an episode just on conspiracy theories, and that'll be yes. fun. That'll be a long one. That'll yes. be one of the ones where I'm allowed to drink. Yes. <laughs> Joe will bring back the whiskey. <laughs> oh, crap. I need to bring that back. <laughs> I think we'll we'll wait for a Friday night and get you about three drinks three three, three drinks deep, and then it'll be a, it'll be a good old time. Mm-hmm. We'll have to have a a computer handy so we can look up things as we're going. It'll be be like an Alex Jones tribute episode. <laughs> I think my favorite thing was when we did the first the episode zero. I'm like, I don't remember recording this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Episodes six through nine were all about habits, and I will never do this again, Dave. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> was he upset that you did four episodes? No, of habits? he thought we should have broken up and like had other episodes in between. No, but I figured if I didn't do it this way, it would never get done. Yeah. and it made me a better person for figuring out how to do outlines and, and write up for book stuff. Yeah, what are we gonna do? Episode six habits, episode seven something else, and then episode eight habits. <laughs> We're back to habits. And we could have condensed them down maybe to one longer episode, but... Yeah, but that would have been a four-hour episode, so... Yeah. yeah that would have been it was for, It was for the wiser to break them up by book, 
because they're actually bleeding together for me. <laughs> well, a lot of the things carry through. That's that's yeah. But when you listen to four habit books, well, three habit books back to back to back, and you go back and listen to a fourth one. <laughs> well, that's that's I guess the nice thing about actually doing research is when you start seeing the same ideas in multiple books. There's probably some truth to it, mm-hmm. some validity. The thing I love about doing this podcast and listening to these books and reading these books is that I find a piece that I've been doing my whole life. I'm like, I'm on the right track. Yeah, <laughs> I am on the path. <laughs> it's a long path, though. Episode 10, we did Courage is Calling by Ryan Holiday, which mm-hmm. was a, a very short audio book for me. And I mm-hmm. I, I, I can't of, do the audio book. I, re- I realize a lot of his books are six hours. Mm-hmm. Probably on purpose. I can't do the audiobooks because I just don't, I can't take any notes, I can't underline anything, can't highlight anything, I have nothing to go back to to actually pull forth information from the book besides what I can recall, because I'm not going back and re-listening to it. Mm-hmm. But it was a good book, and another another one on the Stoicism series, I'll have to make sure when the uh, the other ones come out, I'll pick up the hard copy. Yeah. Since so, we'll call copy, well, since we'll, uh, we'll get to those ones eventually. And we actually have a question to be answered. Ooh. This came from a very valued listener. I'm going to play it. Hi, my question is regarding courage and the role of hesitancy in how we display courage. The example you gave in the most recent episode discussed uh, a couple of Marines that you know chose to sacrifice themselves in order to uh, save the lives of the entire base, and, and obviously. You know, that, that sounds an awful lot like courage, but I wonder what the role of courage is in, in incidences where, or incidents where there isn't as much immediate recognition for that courage. You know, we talk about, you know, during the Holocaust, you know, what did courage look like then? Um, I, it just seems obviously it's easy to point at a soldier or a police officer and, and identify a moment of courage, but at what point is is planning and purpose and hesitancy um, allowed to give a person the same level of courage as somebody who is in a position where they have all the right tools and the right right weaponry at the right moment to actually act upon that? So just a question to ponder. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Dave. Okay, so hesitancy and courage – so I think there's a part of that to, that resonated with me, which is the the hesitancy and courage. Encourages like um, when David Goggins talks about you have like one second decisions. Yeah. Where like those are the ones that you you gotta build yourself to make in those one second decisions. Am I gonna run today? Am I not? No, you're gonna run. Yeah. Like you're gonna do the thing. So I think when you're somebody like a soldier or something, you've already kind of made that decision at some point, and it's been enforced by your training. Put a pin on that. There is a uh, there is a quote from David Goggins saying how one day he got up going to run and he stared at his shoes for an hour straight about not wanting to run but he wasn't running so you might want to change that a little bit no but he talks about that too he talks about how no he's, there's every day is not going to be easy yeah but he talks about the more often you make that one second decision the less that decision comes around mm-hmm. well this reminds me of a prime example as a I was a kid I had to be like ten or eleven and I was playing outside. The dog was, like, other side of the yard. And, like, I heard this noise. And I got all scared. I'm like, wait a second. That was a dog yelping. And, like, I got to go save the dog. For that split second, I'm like, oh, I'm scared of this. I'm like, but my dog. I got to go save my dog. Right, yeah. Like, it's that kind of thing, I think, that is where the head is. Depending on what the what the thing is and what you're trying to do is when hesitancy has that much time. Like, for example, 
a parent. Like, if something's going to happen to the child, they're going to write like that, do something for the child. Oh, yeah. You see that all the time in those memes now. They call it dad reflexes, where, mm-hmm. like, the guy, the dad, the one I always think about is the, the dad is in, like, the car dealership, and his kid's walking around, and, like, all of a sudden, the car comes crashing through the window, and, like, somehow he snatched the kid away, like, mm-hmm. spider-sensed it. Like, mm-hmm. crazy stuff. But, like, the weight of the, the weight of the peril compared to the weight of how much you can think about it. Like, if you know, for example... Prime example, like with the soldiers, it's like, well, I got to do something because that's just what it is. I got to do something. There's no hesitancy because you, you are basically on autopilot. Yeah. You don't have time to sit there and think about, oh, you know, I might die from this, but all these people might die mm-hmm. if, I don't, if I don't do this. But and, that's, uh, a, that's a calculus. It wasn't even done. It yeah. was just, this has to be done. That's, this guy's coming at me. I got to stop him. Right. Like, and then sometimes you don't even think about yourself. It's just like, it needs to be done. So... Yeah, and I think the hesitancy part, I think there are instances where there is hesitancy that has to be there for you to build up the courage to do something. Like mm-hmm. you think about like the the battered spouse that finally makes it, gets the courage up to finally make a move and leave. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, it, it took a while to be in that situation for you to build up enough frustration and rage to be courageous. Mm-hmm. Like I, I also look at it as if you ever play Final Fantasy games, there's a thing called the limit break. It's like basically you get enough crap beat out of you, and then you get this special ability that you can do because you're taking so much crap. And I always, I always make the joke that once hit by limit break, man, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna tear it up. <laughs> and that's the thing you take after. It depends on what it is. Like you take enough stuff, and then you, don't, you just have the courage to do it. Yeah, the courage is a weird thing like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Like the one of the questions that's been posed is like when have you acted courageously and it's like i don't i don't have a real strong example to say like i did this thing courageously because the the rationale in my mind is like i just had to do it kind yeah, of thing the rationale look i was just talking about this the other um earlier today uh, one of the guys i listened to his podcast about biking i was talking about how like for me if you give me an impossible task i work on that task so i get done or i'm told to help to hold to stop and i don't ever think about how hard the task is i just know it's one or the other either i'm gonna get it done or not get it done mm-hmm. and like that, like for me that's part of my personality is i'm reliable and i'm tenacious like i'm gonna get shit done and humble <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> but like shit needs to get done i'm gonna do it because that's that's my job like i always make the joke that if i could have one tagline on my resume i get shit done <laughs> i always wanted mine to just say professional man <laughs> But, like, a lot of people, like, for me, like, some of the stuff I do is fairly complex. To me, it's like breathing. And for me, that's not what you're thinking about doing. I just go to do it because I've got the skill set. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you think about it, some people have never held a gun before. These guys have been trained for hours on end to pay, take this gun apart and put it together in their sleep. They can, they're marksmen. Like, they can hit a fly at a thousand yards. Mm-hmm. And, like, for them, there was nothing. It's like, well, incoming, let's take this guy out. Yeah, it was also kind of the job. So. And they probably didn't even know that guy was full of explosives. They just saw the car coming. They needed to stop it. Yeah. I think it was Jocka who pointed out that uh, despite how how you want to paint it in different political terms, a soldier's job is to kill people. Like, that's, a, that's, their, that's the thing of going to war. And following orders. <laughs> Only if those orders make sense. I always make the joke. The reason I didn't on the army because they tell me to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I had gone to the army, I'd have to go full Forrest Gump mode, just uh-huh. do everything exactly how they told me uh-huh. to do it. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, um, I don't know if that answered the question or not, do you think? Well, Dave will let us know in the next episode. <laughs> I just keep asking the same question, just clarifying it each episode. We'll have to break up his question into multiple episodes <laughs> next. <laughs> but yeah. Hopefully we'll get some more, more people listening other than just Dave. <laughs> if not, oh well, we'll still keep yeah. doing it because it's fun. Well, like, I, like I, I've been telling people all the time, like the reason we keep doing this podcast is one of these days... Someone's going to do a Google search, and one of these episodes going to come up. They're going to listen to the episode. Oh, that's a good episode. What, they got a whole catalog of stuff? Well, these guys knocked it out of the park on episode zero, but the rest of them suck. <laughs> <laughs> you got to lay a foundation of, of, of a catalog in order to actually prove that you're good at what you're doing. And anybody can do a one-hit wonder. But yeah. when you can consistently bring like whatever you're trying to do, that's what I'm looking for. And I've learned so much in the past six months, so... It's been fun. Yep. We'll keep doing it. Or this, or this is the last episode. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we we started this one in spring, so it wasn't June. that... June. It was only June. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, we started, We were doing the lunch in here before, so I was going to say we'll see if we still want to do it. As we're in, we're in the uh, the deep freeze of Pittsburgh. Oh, well, we got this trusty space heater from Tractor Supply. I know. I know. We got that because we were eating lunch, and that's why I couldn't... I thought we were doing this longer. But. Nope. Because it was the week, actually, it was the week, I think it was the second week of June, was when we you posed the question. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the third time you said the question, so tell them what the question is, Joel. To be honest, I can't remember right now. Can you, do you remember? Yeah, it's, it's why, why is it that you notice the problems you notice? What is that? What is the universe trying to tell you when they show these you these problems? When you see a certain problem, it probably means that you're the one who's supposed to solve this problem. Exactly. Something in your makeup is calling you to, to fix this problem. And it only took a month and a half for me to realize what that <laughs> meant. <laughs> I it, danced around that question for a whole 35 minutes. And, and the thing about it, though, is that you can infer... A different different set of your like your your meaning of your life from that as well. Like why why are these problems presented to me and why do I recognize them? That might be like the universe trying to tell you something, or it might be giving you a purpose on some problems that you should solve with maybe your army of machines, Joel. Well, did I brought the Slumdog Millionaire um, example. Yes, at some point I think through these episodes. Well, like it's it's occurred to me more and more, especially this year at work. Of all the things I've ever worked on and ever did, have come back to save my ass or to prove a point to somebody else. And it's like, how do you know this? I'm like, well, I did this or I did that. Like, everything you do is building a, a knowledge base. And you don't know when you're going to need that knowledge base. I keep fighting my coworker about this shit. He's like, I don't see point in learning. I'm never going to use this. And then, sure enough, two months later, hey, I remember how to do this because you showed me how to do it. And now I can just do it. Mm-hmm. When I worked help desk, it's always amazing because every year, a, t- a group of teachers would get a new computer. And there'd be that one problem that that model would have. The first person come to you, you got to figure out that problem. Mm-hmm. And it might take you an hour or two to figure it out. But once you got that solution, that solution is like a 10-second solution. Yeah. So by the time you get the person number 5 or 10, like, oh, this problem, oh, here, how'd you know to do that? Like, you look like a god, but meanwhile, you had to put the work in to figure that problem, that thing out. Yeah, which brings to mind when I with the, the quote I told you earlier, the question... My buddy asked me about uh, experience when he said, you know, are you a person with three three years of experience at this job or do you have three, are you a person with 
three years worth of one year experience. So you keep doing the same year over and over mm-hmm. and you haven't evolved past that first year. Mm-hmm. You've just been doing the same problems over and over again. Well, I've been at my job for six years and I've only repeated the same year like twice. So Yeah. It's, it's interesting because interesting I've been doing web development for 20 years and it's like, well, how many years experience do I actually have? How many years have I just been kind of sitting back on my laurels and not evolving my skill set? Mm-hmm. 1% better. Mm-hmm. That's how you're, That's how the, uh, the UK actually became a force to be reckoned with toward France. Yeah, you know, that, that came up in a presentation at work. Somebody was talking about that exact same thing again. I was like, the universe just on repeat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I thought maybe they subscribed to the podcast. And they were like, oh, I'm going to take this idea. Yeah, I, I'd like to think that too. <laughs> I'd like to think that the outlines I'm writing for this podcast are actually going to pay off compared to the, the stream of consciousness Re- uh, reviews of Joe and Joel talk about this. The guys talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that's uh, that's episode eleven. Yep. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one. That wraps up another episode of the Mention the Machine. If you would like to contact or subscribe to the podcast, please visit thementionthemachine.com. If you would like to leave a voicemail, please call 412-294-8557.